inspiration for this talk comes from the scripture of the Founding Master, chapter 7, called The Principle of the Nature. The Founding Master said, The great way is perfectly interfused. Hence, being and non-being are non-dual, universal principles and human affairs are non-dual, birth and death are non-dual, and action and rest are non-dual. There is nothing that is not subsumed in this gate of non-duality. In order to speak about non-duality, we might first speak about duality. Duality, probably the easiest example of duality uh, that we're all like clear and familiar with is like scientific research. I, the objective observer, objectively observe something that uh, is outside of me, has nothing to do with me, and I can look at. Or you might put it, I, the subjective observer, observe something outside of me that has nothing to do with me and that I can observe objectively. And so there's an inside, there's me looking out at the world. So duality is about, in this context, is about our perceptual experience and our perceptual uh, uh, um, reception of experience. So in, from almost from birth, our experience is dualistic. Everything we experience is me, the subject, I, looking out into the world at it or you or them. We, we, we constantly have the experience of there being an inside and an outside. That's dual, duality. Duality serves a lot of useful purposes, um, including everything we do pretty much we make, we make use of duality in order to be able to do it. Um, even this passage is dualistic. You know, anything you read or, or understand is dualistic. So what is non-duality then? Believe it or not, that's a little harder to explain. <laughs> um, because, as often the case, it's beyond words and speech. So why talk about it? Who cares if it's beyond words and speech? Well, I thought a lot about, like, why, why do I talk about these things? You know, what, what, what's the point? Um, it could be to make me look smart, except I don't understand them well enough to look smart. Um, so I don't think that's why it is. The best explanation I can give is that these notions, like non-duality, emptiness, uh, nature, the true nature, uh, Dharma, um, the Dharmakaya Buddha, Dharma nature, are all beyond words and speech, but in studying them and trying to put them into words, it helps me at least to have a glimpse of the possibility of what awakening might be. Now, that doesn't mean that makes me awakened. Um, I could probably give this talk a much, much more clearly and um, words or not if I was. Um, 
but it, it helps me to get a just a glimpse of what 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 we might mean by awakening. So non-duality. So non-duality, as well as emptiness, as well as dharma nature, always exists inside of us. We always have a non-dual experience of the world. But we, because of duality, and because of, you might say, ignorance, I, I mean, it sounds pejorative, but because we don't see it, we don't recognize it. We don't experience it. And because everything we experience after a certain point, very early in life, I think we might be born with non-dual experiencing, but who's to say? But either because of our cultural experience of becoming a human being or because of karma, we very quickly are introduced to there being a self and object. We're the self. We're, we become a person. We become, you know, I become Michael and my parents, you know, see me as that individual. I see myself that way. I see them as separate from me. I see the world as separate from me. Um, either we learn duality or we're kind of programmed towards duality. Non-duality is the fact that we're not separate from the world. The fact that, I, mean, I think it's the fact, that we're actually immersed in the world and not separate from it, and that our eye position is an, is an illusion. That it's a construct that has been created by and for us in the world uh, that serves a purpose, especially in relationship to survival. You know, it's a construct that animals have too, in, to a certain degree, you know, but humans probably go further with it because we communicate with each other in a more elaborate and um, uh, intellectual way. And we use words. Words help us create concepts and concepts are tools, and tools help us to live in the world, to live with each other, to, to survive and flourish. But they also separate us from the world. They, all, they also make us um, separate when we're not separate. They make us, um, rather than being part of the world, we're removed from the world, we see it at a distance, we see it as something that, that we control, that we don't belong to, that we have to be, that in order to survive, we have to control everything. We have to control other people. We have to control our interactions. And I don't know if that's true or not, but non-duality gives you the idea that being in the world, we're all connected. Now, some people think that means one, and that's I'm not sure that that's the case, even though I'm not sure I understand this. Um, it's not one and not two. It's somehow something different than that. Um, and But the experience of non-duality is available to us all the time if we could just get duality out of the way. If we could just stop... I mean, <laughs> I wish I could. Um, but if we could just stop thinking, or at least thinking in words, if we could just let ourselves relax, 
if we could just let the world come to us and and not and let it go in and out. I mean, it's constantly changing. It's constantly going on. We're constantly changing, but we don't realize it. We think we're static. We think, you know, I'm me. I'm the same me as I was when I was five years old. In fact, I can remember thinking the exact same things when I was five years old. Um, you know, about non-duality. Um, you know, just shows you, I think that how we have this illusion about time and space and, you know, and who we are. We don't see ourselves as, as changing every moment in time. We see ourselves as static and, you know, and even if we think, oh, my body's changing and so forth, you know, we're not changing. You know, we're the same. And yet what perhaps we really are, which is kind of this underlying ground of being that is, is individual and, and sh shared, is unchanging. But we're not it. We're we. The we we think we are is not the ground. It's what the It's what we see on top of the ground. It's what we see that, in a sense, the metaphor of the mirror. We're the mirror, but we think we're the contents of the mirror. And if we could realize that we're the mirror instead, we could relax. We could let things come and go in the mirror, and the mirror doesn't change. And no matter what happens, we're fine. But Instead, we see ourselves as, as individuals, as a single entity that has to, uh, that either wants or has to protect itself, wants to um, get what it wants, wants to get rid of what it doesn't want. And non-duality, in, in realizing it, which I only wish I could, um, removes all that. It's like everything, everything is a part of us, and we're a part of everything. There's nothing... That is, there's nothing happening that shouldn't happen. Everything is flowing. Everything is a movement of energy as we are a movement of energy. And that doesn't mean we aren't existent. We're existent within this ground. We're, the ground is us and we're the ground. You know, you know, obviously we exist. I mean, if we didn't exist, we wouldn't be having this talk. You know, we exist, but we don't exist in the form we think we do. And that's what non-duality, emptiness, the true nature, Buddha nature, is trying to point at. But of course, because it's beyond concepts, it's really hard to point at it. It's that idea of the finger pointing at the moon. So let's go back to the passage for a second. So the great way is perfectly interfused, which I think indicates um, everything. The great way is everything. And it's interfused, it's not all separate. It's all interfused, it's all interconnected, and um, because it's, in, it's interconnected and interfused, no one thing exists by itself. No one thing is separate from everything else. No one thing stands alone and um, by itself, individually, uncaused. Everything is a result of cause and effect and part of a process that is interconnected with all other processes. So, that's interfused. Hence, being and non-being are non-dual. So, just even as a, just even as a concept, um, how can there be being without non-being? How can there be non-being without being? You know, that there, it's nonsensical 
to speak about either without its opposite. Um, universal principles in human affairs. Again, without, if you didn't, one by themselves couldn't, could, wouldn't work. They can only be understood in terms of the other, in terms of the, the opposite, you know, black and white. It's about, you know, more, you know, without, if you, if you just say, if there was only black, then there wouldn't be anything. You know, if there was only white, there wouldn't be anything. You have to have the contrast. Um, but they don't exist by themselves. They only exist in relationship. And non-duality has to do with relationship rather than entity. Um, action and rest are non-dual. So, so I'm getting confused. Um, sorry. Uh, So this idea that everything is subsumed under the gate of non-duality, everything belongs to this ground of being. Everything is part of the energy of existence. Everything is eternal in a certain sense, even though we as bodies might not be, you know, but we're a part of everything. You know, even if we, as our, even if our bodies die, Somehow, our existence, whatever that is, continues. I'm not saying our consciousness. I'm saying whatever it is, this energy that's us, continues in some form or another. Maybe it continues as fertilizer. Um, you know, but it still continues. It's still, you know, it, it's not, it, it, nothing ends. Nothing goes away. Nothing, nothing is produced. It's all energy. And that's what non-duality means. But, but personally, personal to us, as in terms of awakening, non-duality is an experience we hope to, to, to find in our meditation. Non-duality is the experience where we lose the sense of there being a separate me and a separate world. We lose the sense of um, subject and object, and we just become, everything becomes the subject that we're a part of. And of course, I haven't had that experience, so I can't really describe it. That's what, you know, Buddhas and, and you know, sages have told us about and written about and explained in very, very many different ways, all of which that I've read so far, I can't even remember or explain to you um, because it's just so hard. But I still myself love the pointing out instructions. I still love to read about it and, you know, and forget about it and read about it and forget about it because it's so hard to grasp. But, it, but it, for me, it's an inspiration. It's, it's, a, it's a chance to glimpse something that so far in my meditation, if I'm glimpsing it, I don't know it. So it's another way of getting a glimpse of it, another way to think about what ignorance is and what the end of ignorance is, you know. Um, so I know this may not have come out <laughs> perfectly clear, uh, and I apologize, but, you know, I, I, I think, you know, if you stick with these ideas, maybe you'll get some of the inspiration that I feel and I'm not so easily able to 
um, explained. So thank you for listening.